You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it's a walk in my shoes, and this is going to be not an exhaustive cataloging of what I've experienced, but it's going to be uh, some of some of the key experiences I've had in my my journey, and uh, it kind of explains why I find the the paranormal so absolutely compelling and fascinating and intriguing. Um, it's partially just to try to understand what it is that I saw, what it is that I experienced. And um, I don't know if I'm fortunate or if I'm uh, <laughs> cursed or what, but I've experienced many different things. It's not just not just experiencing hauntings, not just experiencing uh, UFO, not just experiencing um, uh, some kind of cryptid activity, but it's been all of those. And because of that, it just makes me, you know, wonder and marvel at the dynamic nature of our reality and what's what is possible what have people shut off what have we closed our eyes to and so that's what kind of created this journey for me personally but tonight i'm just going to catalog a few of the a few of the stories that that i can recall right off the top of my head as we're doing this but uh there are so so many and so this isn't an exhaustive list but this is a reference list 
I think probably one of the very first experiences I've had that I can remember, um, and this goes back pretty far, probably when I was maybe about eight or eight or nine years old. Um, and the story, maybe I was even a little older, maybe I was like 10. I don't know, but here, here's the thing. And, uh, I had a real close friend at the time, a childhood friend I'd grown up with him. And, and this may seem like kind of a silly story. And I understand that. I, <laughs> I, I don't believe, you know, that this is the, uh, you know, the, um, the bell, Witch the uh, program or anything or the ring or anything like that. It was, it's kind of a silly story, I suppose, but to me it was absolutely profound and still has me scratching my head to this day, what it is I experienced. Um, and so what it was, was I was kind of coming to the realization. I, I was really, <laughs> I was really desperately hanging on to the, uh, you know, and if you have little kids, you might want to plug their ears or whatever. But I was really uh, struggling with the idea of, of Santa Claus at that time. And, and it was around Christmas time. And I was staying at a friend's house and uh, he and I were always either at his, my house or his house. We just kind of went always back and forth. We were pretty inseparable for um, all of our childhoods. And uh, I was at his house and, and I was staying overnight and we were having the discussion about all of this. And he's like, do you think Santa's real? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I really want to believe he's real. And and as silly as that sounds, we were the way his bedroom was laid out, and uh, you know, it was a huge like king size bed, and we were little kids, so we were both hanging out in the bed and, and just you know about to I don't know drift off or whatever. But we were just having a discussion, and we were talking about this. Now above his headboard of the bed was this window that was from the outside, um, and the outside of the window was a street light that was up taller than the than the window, obviously, and would shine in and create a silhouette on the footboard of this of this bed. And it was a good-sized bed and all. And um, as we were laying there and we were talking about this and kind of debating it back and forth, and, and both of us, I think, feeling a tinge of sadness that maybe we would have to let that go and let that surrender that to our our childhoods and surrender it to the past. And, and, you know, as you often do with those, those ideas or, or we believe we do, but as we were laying there, suddenly this silhouette came up in the window and it, and it was a perfect silhouette of a little elfin figure. And it stood there and I could see the shadow could see it. And we were both staring at it like, oh my God. And we were both absolutely dumbfounded because it came out of nowhere and suddenly was there. And it was unmistakably the silhouette of an elf. And we were both just like wide-eyed and, and transfixed and couldn't believe it. And I almost, I remember looking at it going, do I want to look? Do I want to look? And it was like, a part of me didn't want to look in, at the window because I didn't want to destroy what it was that I was seeing. I didn't want to shatter that illusion because I wanted it to be real more than anything as a kid. Um, but uh, another side of me was like, you got to know, you just got to know. So I got up in the bed and looked out the window and there was absolutely nothing in the window, nothing in the windowsill, nothing that I could see. It was completely unobstructed from the window to the streetlight. There was nothing in the way of the beam of light that should have created that silhouette. And yet it turned and it was still there. Looked up out, out the window, nothing. So it was one of the more profound, silly little events, but it was real and it was absolutely magical. And to this day, I still wonder what, what was that? 
what was it I saw? And could it have been a little person, a little little fae or a little fairy? I don't know. It's possible. But at the time, it meant the world because it was just like I was wrestling with the idea that I was going to have to surrender this the, the magic of childhood, you know, and I don't know how else to say it. And it sounds corny. It sounds sappy. But honest to God, I'm just sharing with you the emotions that I was having. I remember it so clearly. And it was there. And why it was there, how long it was there, I don't know. It maybe lasted about 10 minutes. And then suddenly, just as it, as suddenly as it came, it was boom, gone. And there was nothing there again. It was just the, the light shining through unimpeded onto the footboard again. So, but a cool first experience. That's the earliest one that I can remember, I think. Um, I've heard stories of other ones, but I don't remember them personally. Um, I've just heard things that I did. Um, so I don't know about those. But um, probably, the you know, I don't remember having many, like, ghost experiences growing up. I don't remember having uh, lived in a haunted area. In fact, that where I lived, it, it seems like it should have been a haunted area, but it was incredibly incredibly serene, incredibly uh, peaceful. And I don't remember any kind of hauntings, any kind of weird spiritual feelings or anything. It was just, it was just a really neat area that we lived in. Not to imply that my home life was perfect. You know, we, we, <laughs> we were the typical blue collar family, you know, and, and they have their ups and downs and stuff, but uh, just something about where we lived was always so serene. But I think probably when I first had what I would consider a paranormal ghostly experience was when I was about 13, I went out to Michigan to stay with my cousin's family. I think my whole family went out and everybody was doing all the stuff. And, and basically my cousin's family, the, the, the dad was a doctor, so they were very well to do. It was a big palatial home. It was beautiful, but they were the first people I knew that had a VCR and so this idea that you could watch movies <laughs> on your TV without commercials or anything to me was just absolutely amazing. It was like, oh, my God. And, of course, they had friends who had VCRs as well and would, you know, basically just hit record on HBO and just let it roll for, you know, until the tape ran out, change a new tape, and then label the tape with all the movies they ended up capturing. And I sat in this house uh, while everyone else decided they wanted to go shopping and stuff. I'm a 13-year-old kid. I didn't want to go shopping. Happen. I wanted to sit and watch the VCR because that was the coolest thing ever. And so I'm sitting in the home and, and it was a, a beautiful palatial home, but it was a, a, a remodel of several smaller homes that were kind of merged into one and made into this beautiful um, lakefront home. It was just a private lake and the whole deal. It was just amazing. But um, as I'm sitting there, and I'd heard stories about the house, but I guess I never really thought about it. My cousin had many experiences there growing up, and I don't know. I didn't know if he was jerking my chain or not. I was, you know, never really had those experiences growing up, so I didn't have any opinion. But as the night fell, and, and I was sitting in the living room, surrounded by just this, it was a really tall, like 30-foot vaulted ceiling and tall windows all the way around. It was just like a wall of glass all the way around. And suddenly, as the outside got dark, and the world seemed to close in. It was like something changed in that house. Now, I never saw an apparition. I never saw anything. But that was my first time experiencing what it felt like to be watched 
<laughs> and it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And suddenly the light from this little TV, you know, which was just embracing me in this cocoon of darkness. I was just staying huddled really close to the TV because this whole big house just became small. It was all shadow and I felt all alone in the universe and I just felt these eyes on me. And it was the most horrible experience. And I remember the absolute joy that I felt when the headlights from the car coming up the long driveway shone through the house. It was like, oh my God, oh my God, they're home. And it's like I was been holding my breath for hours. So not a profound experience, but an experience nonetheless. Um, and I, it was horrible. <laughs> you know, I was young and, and completely unprepared for what that would feel like. I had no idea who was looking at me. I, I don't know. I just know somebody or somebodies were looking at me sitting there. And I don't know what the hell they were doing, what they were planning on doing, but it just felt wrong in so many ways. And many of the experiences my cousin had in that home were absolutely profound as hell. I mean, just amazing things like his sitting in his bedroom at night and getting woken up at about two in the morning. And he had one of the old time clock radios with the dials. And there was no digital back then. It was just dials. You had to turn to <laughs> this big dial to move up and down the stations to tune one in. And he said his, his at first he woke up, felt really weird, heard a little girl giggling by his left ear. And he said he, he got out of bed and went out in the hallway and just sat in the hallway with his blanket around him looking in his room and he could see his clock radio turn on and he could see the little dial moving up and down and it was really soft. He could hear the stations coming in and out and the static in between as this thing just went up and down, just like taunting him. And so many of the other family members had so many experiences in the house, but they were incredibly profound. It was an incredibly haunted house. So it's no wonder I felt that. It's no wonder I had that experience of feeling that. And I was a believer after that when he told me stories about his house. So that was probably the first experience I've had remembering what that felt like or, or knowing what it felt like to be exposed to um, a paranormal environment. Um, then... I think for me, my own personal hauntings probably started in, I don't know, 1992, 91, 92. Um, and it was my, my fiance at the time who was, ended up becoming my first wife and et cetera, et cetera, long story, <laughs> not what the show is about. But she and I um, lived, my uncle had built this brand new house and he wanted to sell it eventually, but it was sitting vacant. And we, at the time, were looking to move closer to the family in the hometown that we, we were from, or I was from. She, my, my ex wasn't. But um, So we ended up taking uh, and renting this property. And so we're, we're staying there, and we started experiencing weird things. Now, this is a brand-new house, brand-new, uh, undeveloped location. Uh, it was, well, I mean, there was other houses around, so it was kind of a suburban kind of development. But the lot this house was sitting on had never had a house on it prior that I know of. So it was developed, and the house was put there. It was a, uh, you know, a split-level um, rambler kind of house. So it was nothing big or palatial or, or outstanding. It was just kind of a uh, mundane little home, but it was a nice little home. But it started out with footsteps. And actually, oddly enough, my ex was incredibly um, 
not into the paranormal. She was all about logic and reason and everything and just didn't have any room in her mind or heart for the paranormal. And so, but she was the first to actually start experiencing things. And I used to work nights at the time and I'd be gone from uh, like two in the afternoon till midnight at the time working in a factory. And uh, while I was gone, she would be like uh, studying and doing things because she was, you know, working and going to college. And so she would be, you know, studying and then go to bed and hear footsteps walking around this brand new house. And it always freaked her out. And she, she'd tell me about it. And I was really scratching my head because, you know, it didn't make any sense. There was just something in this house. And she had heard, and, and, and I don't think she ever saw anything, but plenty of audio anomalies like that of things moving and, and steps and, and sometimes um, grunts or sighs, things like that. Um, and my first experience really experiencing something that was just in my face was in this house. And it's something I've shared on the shows before. And in this situation, I had come home from the factory. I ended up working a double shift or something. So it was the next morning. My, I think it was my wife at that time. I think we'd actually gotten married by then, but she was gone at work and I was home alone. And I was absolutely thrilled because even though this house was brand new, the one, the one problem with it was water pressure. And if you ever took a shower and somebody did something stupid, like running a sink, turning on a dishwasher, flushing a toilet, you were going to be in misery because the water would just change and it would be ice cold. And it was just horrid. And, excuse me, so I was all excited because I was all grimy and dirty and stuff, but I I was thinking, hey, I'm the only one here. I'm going to have a nice, long, relaxing shower. Nobody's going to flush the toilet. Nobody's going to turn on the sink. It's going to be great. So I got in the shower, and I'm all lathered up and just, just loving life. It was just really relaxing. And I'm in there, and I'm all soaped up. I'm full of soap suds everywhere. I'm just <laughs> in my moment. And all of a sudden, the water goes, boom, ice cold. Now, I'm locked into my house. I'm, I'm the only one with a key outside of my wife who is not there. And um, the, I, I locked the bathroom door, of course, too, because that's just creepy that someone could get in and come in. You know, you got to at least make it a little difficult. So <clears throat> I'm locked into the bathroom. I'm locked in the house. I'm all alone. The water goes ice cold. I'm like, oh, no, she must have come home. She must have decided that now's the perfect time to do dishes. You know, it's like she just waited for me to shower. So I I was like, oh, man, I'm all frustrated. I rinse off in this ice cold water, getting the soap off and stuff, and then I turn off the water, and I'm still hearing water running, like, pretty aggressively. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I open up the shower curtain, and there in the sink in front of me is the hot water blasting full speed. It's like totally like all the way on. It's not just a little on. It's just full stream hitting the sink and just steam coming up. And I'm like, <laughs> now I, I, I've said this before on the show, but I don't know what it is about being naked, but being scared and naked at the same time is horrid. It, it's the worst feeling in the world. I don't know what clothes provide for protection, but I think it's just, just psychologically, you feel like you have something on, like there's, there's something there that's covering you at least a little bit. And I'm standing there buck naked, dripping cold, and that water's hitting the sink, and I just got chills through my whole body. I'm just all one big mess of goose pimples. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so I dried off and, and quick shut off the sink, and I'm like, no, I must be missing something. Check the door. It was still locked. Went out, went through the whole house. It's all empty, and the, and the entry doors are still locked. I'm all alone in this house. 
So that was my first dead on in your face. I'm here. Um, and you have to notice me. And it was incredibly unnerving. Now I do have to say that normally I don't get at all freaked out by ghostly things. Uh, I, normally I'm, I'm sure I could be, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, to make any proclamations of, of anything. It's just, I don't get really spooked or creeped out very easily. I'm sure it can happen, but it, it doesn't. This time I was absolutely creeped out. This was just horrible, but it was also my first experience. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the paranormal portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in now the same house is where i observed my first in orb and this was a situation back then i used to smoke and I was sitting, uh, it was late at night. I'd gotten home from work, gotten all cleaned up. And I'd, I was sitting out in the living room. My perhaps wife or fiance at the time, I don't know where we were at in our relationship when I'm, when I'm relaying this story, but she was in, in bed sleeping. And it was just me and I'm just sitting there. And I'm, I'm sitting on the floor in front of my sofa. And in front of me, of course, is the entertainment stand with our you know, little TV and I'm watching television and I'm having a cigarette and I'm sitting there and suddenly out of, just out of focus comes this little ball and it's a ball probably about this size. And as you can see, I don't know if it's about a quarter, a quarter, 50 cent piece range. And it's drifting slowly in front of my eyes like this. And it looks like a little sun. I don't know how else to explain it. It looks like a little tiny sun as when you look in the sky and you see the sun, that's what it looked like. Not so bright that it hurt my eyes, but bright enough that there's no way in hell I could have missed it. It was just right there drifting in front of my eyes. And I was sitting there and I'm going, what the hell is that? I'd never heard of an orb. I never had any concept of what an orb was at this time. But here's this little ball of light drifting slowly in front of me. And, it's, and it seems to be looking at me. Uh, I don't know what else it would drift slowly by my face for unless it was looking at me and I'm looking at it. And I remember thinking, should I grab it? <laughs> and then I thought, 
no, I don't think I'm going to grab it. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> so, so I just kept watching it and it, and it drifted off to the side and boom, was gone. And it was right there. It was right there in 3D. Now, this isn't the kind of orbs that you see people, you know, bringing their pictures with, you know, potentially dust, potentially other objects. Not that there aren't spirit photos of orbs out there. There, I'm sure there are. And I think I've seen a few of them. But um, this was in my face. This was in, this was in real life. This wasn't recorded on a camera. It wasn't recorded on a photo. It was drifting in front of my face, and it was there in my three-dimensional space. So very profound, very real. Now, that's one of two times that I've seen a light orb. The second time was several months ago in this house that I'm at now where the studio is located and uh, in the north of, of Idaho. Before it was back in Minnesota, all these other stories are back in Minnesota. But since I'm talking about orbs, I'm going to share with you the story that happened in this house where this is the second time I witnessed an orb. I woke up um, from being asleep at night and I was the first one up. My little minion and my, my wife were still asleep. And being a really slow waker, I'm, I'm like, the first thing I can think of is, A, I brush my teeth, and B, make coffee. So I go brush my teeth, I get done with my teeth, I'm heading towards the kitchen to make the coffee, and as I come around the corner to go into the kitchen, about a foot off the floor, as I'm looking down, because I'm still tired, I don't look up for a while, uh, about a foot off the floor drifts this little ball of light around the corner of the cabinets, comes right up to me and goes around my legs and by, and then was just gone. And it was there, real as life, again, in, in my 3D waking moments. This wasn't a hallucination. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a, uh, you know, something that was captured on camera. It was something I was witnessing with my eyes. Incredibly strong, incredibly powerful experience. Not creepy. In both cases where I've seen these orbs, I felt absolutely no fear. I felt no trepidation, no hesitation other than I didn't. I thought, should I grab it? And then I thought, no, I should not grab this. Um, but other than that, it was just experiencing this little energy ball going by, you know, which I, I believe I understand now to be some, some type of spiritual energy. And there it was. Um, so those are the two times that I've experienced orbs. Um, a couple more experiences just to round out uh, there are several, several more. <laughs> there are so many more. But these are just to round out um, some of the ones that I've mentioned on the shows, and I wanted to have one repository for all of these, um, you know, basic stories that I've shared on the show. Um, the next one that I want to share to you is, uh, well, which one? The UFO or the Bigfoot? Okay, this is, I'm going to share the Bigfoot one with you guys. Uh, and I believe it was Bigfoot. Now, just for for the record, I didn't see it. I didn't see it with my face, but here's the story. The area where I lived, and I was 15 years old at this time, and I remember this time pretty, pretty clearly because I'd just gotten my learner's permit to drive and was really excited and was hanging out with my, my friend, and he was into what was called the Environmental Learning Center. He went to all these nature classes and stuff. Now, my family was a little more uh, of lesser means, so I didn't get to do a bunch of those clubs like that. But, you know, I, I still love to hang out in the woods. To me, that was my, my place to escape. It always had been in, in my whole childhood. I was just always in the forest whenever I could be. And we went to this uh, big forested area. It's a state park. Uh, it was very close to where we lived. But um, 
we were hiking up this ravine and uh, it was, it's a beautiful ravine and, and it was something that I always tried to do every year, at least once or twice when I lived in the area because it was just, I don't know, kind of a, kind of a rite of passage every year. Um, but we hiked up this ravine and we had been to the top of, of the bluff and, and that's what they call the hills out there is bluffs. And apparently the only difference between a mountain and a bluff is a bluff has a rounded top, a mountain has a pointed top. But they are much shorter than mountains as we understand them. So they're maybe several hundred feet tall and that's about it. But um, So we're up on the hill and we're coming down. It's I think it was like a Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure, but it, more than likely it was a Saturday. But... We were coming down the ravine, and we'd stopped at this. It was kind of a seasonal uh, run. In the spring melt, that would be a, a rushing stream until the snow melted off, and then it's a dry run the rest of the year. But there's this beautiful waterfall place, and we kind of got down that waterfall place, and we're standing on the ledge below that where there's about an eight-foot drop in front of us and a bunch of boulders around. And we thought, well, let's just hang, you know, take a breather. And so we stopped, and we're standing at the ledge of this drop-off, and just looking down the rest of the ravine, kind of plotting our course, talking, and just being us. And suddenly, this this growl just cut right through us. And um, where I grew up, this area is uh, southeastern Minnesota. So I'd been in these forests my whole life. I'd been in these areas my whole life. And the biggest animals we had... Uh, that I knew of were white-tailed deer, which don't growl. There are coyotes, but they, they may growl, but you can tell it's a, a coyote growl. This growl was so deep and bassy and resonant that it shook my entire body. It shook my entire being. And I was absolutely frozen in fear. I couldn't do anything. These woods that I had known my whole life were suddenly foreign. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what was there with us, but it was directly behind us, but above. So if it was standing, it would have been around, you know, the seven, eight foot tall range, depending on how far behind us it was. But it was absolutely huge. It was so bassy and resonant that even a grizzly growl, and I've listened to tons of growls, and the only time I've heard anything in the years since that I think matches what I heard was other um, recordings of claimed Bigfoot growls. And it's, the, it's just a unique sound that's hard to explain, but it sounds a little bit like the Tyrannosaurus Rex on the first Jurassic Park when it's, you know, like that when it's coming down and it just, it doesn't quite roar, but it's just that resonant clicky growl. It's like, oh my God. And, um, we froze. I was absolutely frozen, could not move. And I, I, the only thing I'm really grateful is I wasn't alone. And because for two reasons, one, you know, I thought I was going to die. I thought we were going to die, but I, fig I figured, Hey, at least I'm not dying alone. Someone's with me. The second reason is, is because someone else experienced this with me. I wasn't alone. There was someone else that could recount this, this story. It wasn't just some kind of fascination or, or, or trick of, of psychology. This was real. It was something we both felt. And he, either he said or I said, what the hell was that? And either I said or he said, I don't know, but let's get the hell out of here. And 
we were finally able to get up the courage to go, and we just said, go. And we ran down this boulder field, jumping from boulder to boulder, just in absolute reckless abandon. But the alternative was, is you feel like you're going to die. Whatever's right there is so big, and just from a noise was so powerful that I knew that no matter what uh, what I might have felt up to that point, at that point, I was a mouse. I was a, a tiny thing that was absolutely vulnerable, and this thing behind me, whatever it was, could have killed me without, without hesitation, without problem. I just knew it was so big and so powerful, and I was insignificant. We flew down this bluff, and for years and years and years we would talk about it, what do you think that was? We didn't know. We, it, it wasn't a black bear sound. It wasn't a grizzly sound. There was no grizzlies in that area. There's no black bears in that area, allegedly. There might be the rogue black bear, but whatever this growl was was so big and so huge that it was, it was beyond our, our scope of reasoning. And it wasn't until many, many years later um, that I started learning about Sasquatch. And suddenly... I was learning things and, and seeing things in those woods through the years that I didn't understand. There were just weird little anomalous things that I just said, well, that's odd, you know, and then you just kind of dismiss it. Researching Sasquatch and, and researchers that have said, well, this is what they do, this is what they do, and then recollecting and going back to revisit after discovering the Sasquatch stuff and seeing those very same signs in that area was like, oh, my God. I had a close encounter with a Sasquatch. That's the only thing that made sense. And did I see it with my eyes? No, I didn't. But I'm pretty sure if it wasn't just a growl, that perhaps it was in for sound, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't know what it was because all I can remember is that deep, just uh, permeating terror and the need to get, get down, get away, no matter what, just get away. And I don't know that I was hindered in any way because people that talk about infrasound talk about how it hits them and how they're just incapacitated and unable to, to move and function. Well, I felt like I was moving just fine, getting the hell out of there in a hurry. So I don't know if it was actually infrasound, but it was a deep and foreboding growl. And we got the hell out of there. And uh, it wasn't for years and years later. I finally put the, connected the dots, went back up into those woods, have taken photos of things that I found in that forest, in that, national, in that uh, state park, that I believe are Bigfoot signs and including structures and such as well. Some of those I've shared with Don. He's seen them and perhaps some, sometime I'll post them uh, or put them on one of these bedtime stories as well so that you guys can see what, what we've discovered and what, I've dis what I discovered in those woods. But very wild, uh, very cool. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. All right, everybody, and we're back, and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal podcast. Buckle up. We're going in. Um, the UFO story, I guess, is this is going to be the last thing I'll cover tonight just because, you know, I don't want it to be a three-hour show. <laughs> I'm not sure how long I've been going now, but, uh, you know, you open your mouth and just sound comes out, and then next thing you know, two hours have gone by. But 
the UFO story, and I've I've had a few experiences since then of seeing um, anomalous things in the skies. Um, but the first one was by far the most profound and significant. And I am absolutely convinced that um, they are real. There, there's no question. And the story is this, and it's it's one that I've shared many times. So if you've heard this, I apologize. I don't mean to be redundant, but again, this is my attempt to put all these major stories in one location so I can say, hey, go, if we're referring to it on the show, I can say, hey, go check out the bedtime stories from beyond uh, a walk in my shoes episode that, that, you know, cause that's all of my experiences that I discuss on the show. But the UFO story is, um, it was in this area. It was one of the reasons that I kind of fell in love with this area, to be honest with you. Not only for the fact that where I live is in the inland Pacific Northwest, and it's beautiful, like living in a postcard up here. It's just gorgeous. It's amazingly beautiful. Um, but it's not only known stomping grounds and, and considered one of the prime ranges for the Bigfoot, um, but it's also, uh, it turns out, a hot spot for UFOs, and I did not know that. But I found out, and not because somebody told me, it's something I found out since I saw what I saw. But the story was, is I was, I was working with a company, and the guy that, that owned the company had a cabin in this very town. And I used to live in Minnesota, as I referred to, but I used to commute, uh, telecommute a lot and travel um, to different functions for the company. But um, essentially, I was up here on business, going to business meetings and stuff that we had in the area. And, um, he had just, he had purchased a beautiful cabin up in the, up in the woods near here, up in the forest on, on the side of a big valley. And it's a beautiful home, but I was, he just said, you know what, we're not living up there yet, but if you want to go stay there, that's cool. And then we don't have to pay for a hotel. And I'm like, yeah, I could live in, you know, stay in this beautiful cabin up in the, in the mountains <laughs> while I'm visiting. Why not? That sounds great. So I did. And, and while I was there, um, I knew he had, a pair of night vision binoculars. And for those of you that aren't really, um, and I don't claim to be an expert at all or even knowledgeable on astronomy, but most of the stars in our galaxy are, are red. And if you can look at the night sky with, with infrared, um, some kind of infrared viewing, um, you will notice the star field comes alive with thousands and millions of new stars you've never seen before. In fact, there's so many more stars and so many more uh, dots of light in the sky that you can no longer recognize the constellations that you could always identify with no problem. Um, so we can visibly see the yellow stars, but the red stars are are not usually visible with our naked eye. So I, I decided, you know, it was a beautiful night. It was either, it was late spring. There was still a little snow, but it was kind of warming up. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was late spring, not late fall, but I think it was late spring. And I was like, well, it was kind of a moonlit night, but it was still, uh, being out there, there's no light pollution. It's out far enough out of town that there's no city lights at all. It's just all for, um, dead of night in the forest with the beautiful, um, star field above you. So I went outside with these night vision binoculars and I'm just absolutely amazed panning around, looking around and just in awe, even with the naked eye, the night, the light, the star field out there is so spectacular. Just, (laughs) you really don't need anything to help you see, but it was just really neat to experience it this way as well. Now, after I'm viewing the stars for quite a while, I'm looking around and just thinking this is really cool. I start looking around uh, the valley that I'm in. And on the opposing side of the valley, of course, is the mountainside with all of the large conifer trees. Um, 
pine spruce, you know, whatever they are, um, cedars, and they're just you know, decorated the side of the mountain, and it's just beautiful and gorgeous. And so I'm looking through the night vision, and I'm having a lot of fun with it because there was ambient light. There was enough of a moon out that it was there was ambient light, but I, you know, and so I could see it with my naked eye a little bit. But with this night vision scope, it was like, wow, I can see every tree, I can see every, you know, every branch, and it was just really cool. And I'm panning around, just playing around, and suddenly I, you know, I turn and look on the side of the valley that I'm on, look down his driveway, which with the naked eye is just a black pit. It's just like it goes down a little ways, and then nothing. You can't see anything. But with the night vision, I could see all the way down there, and I thought that was really cool. And then I kind of look around the, 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 the side of the, of the mountain that I'm on, looking around his property, and then I pan up, and I'm going up these trees on the side that I'm on that are maybe about uh, you know, 150 yards away. Um, and they're all the way up, but the ones I was looking at in this particular instance were about a hundred, 150 yards away, maybe 200, but not, not any, any further than that. And I pan up to the top of those trees and about 30 feet above the tree is a flying saucer. <laughs> it's the proverbial flying saucer. And I, I, I was just, I was absolutely stunned. I, I was knocked off my feet. The literally the two pie plates, you know, like this with panels of light and they're rotating around and around and around these panels of lights are. And it's like, Oh my God, there it is. It's real. There is really a flying saucer here. And it was, it was huge. It wasn't like a drone. It wasn't like something I could have confused. It was, a. a and I'm the only one up on this mountain range. There is nobody there. The only thing else that is up there is seasonal cabins. And since it was not the, it was the off season, all of those were all boarded up and stuff. In fact, his house was one of the first year-round houses in that area of the forest of the, I think it's the Kinnixu Forest up there. But um, it was it was just me. I'm alone, so there wasn't anybody that could have been flying a drone. There wasn't anybody else in the area. It was dead quiet, not a sound. And that's the other thing. So I'm seeing this flying saucer above the tree, sitting there flashing. And not a sound, not a sound am I hearing. There is, on, there is like no sound anyway because it's early, early spring, so it's still mostly frozen. There's no bugs or crickets or frogs or anything like that. It's just, you know, the forest, <laughs> you know, whatever little swaying breeze, and that's about it. And it was dead quiet, and here's this craft is, and I was just an, impressed. I, I mean, for the first time, I always had room in my belief system that these things are real, but there it was. It was right there. I was seeing it. And I was like, oh my God, I got to see this with my eyes. I lower the night vision binoculars. Look with my naked eye. I can see the trees and I can see above the trees, but there's no flying saucer there. There is absolutely nothing there that I can observe with my naked eye. Put up the, the binoculars again. It's there. Right where I was when I last held the binoculars. Took them down, it's gone. Up, down. It only existed in the infrared spectrum, ladies and gentlemen. It was only visible looking through infrared. It wasn't visible with my naked eye. It did not exist as far as my eye was concerned in normal native mode. But looking through the infrared binoculars, it was there as clear as day. Flashing light. I mean, it was flashing lights. And when the binoculars were down, it was not there. Whatever made this craft, whatever was flying this craft, was able to hide it from my normal eye spectrum. But the fact that I had night vision binoculars, it was there. It was still visible in the infrared spectrum. 
this is why I believe it was extraterrestrial, that it wasn't of this earth. It wasn't just an advanced project from the military. It was, it was there, it was silent, and it was not there with my normal eyes. Um, I looked at it for a while, and I, the realization hit me that it was most probably from outer space or some other dimension, and it was sitting there. And then it occurred to me that I'm about the only thing going on in this whole valley. It's just me and trees. And then I thought, <laughs> I'm looking at them. Chances are they're sitting there looking at me. And then I was like, oh, and I decided that that's as real as I wanted this experience to be. I didn't want to be brought into a craft. I didn't want any kind of probing going on or anything funky. I was like, okay, I've seen it. Uh, I'm done. And so I went inside, shut the doors, locked them, and went and sat on the bed for about three hours trying to process this uh, until the wee hours of the morning. I was just, uh, it was there. It was real. Since then, I've also, even when I went back to Minnesota, started seeing things there. So it was like once that was opened in my head, suddenly I was able to observe them. And I've observed things, you know, stars doing weird things um, with my own eyes, uh, without night vision binoculars. But I've also observed strange things with the night vision binoculars because after this experience, I went on Amazon and found my own pair and bought them because I had just witnessed, uh, you know, something that blew my mind and I wanted to keep watching. So I got a pair of the binoculars. I still have them. I still use them. In fact, on the UFO break that I show on the, on the network shows, um, I do the, 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 the defense footage, but the green footage in there is footage that I've captured on my night vision binoculars and the green, you know, the green hue with the light, the anomalous light. And that's right in my backyard here. So, since then, I've talked to many people in the area, and they've had tons of, of witnesses of UFOs in this area. There's some kind of activity going on up here for some reason. Very strange. But, ladies and gentlemen, in a nutshell, those are my, my most profound paranormal experiences. There are many more profound ones and other things that are just private that you know I don't need to discuss or haven't discussed up to this point. But I just wanted to share those with you guys so you could hear the, the many various experiences I've had and, uh, you know, choose for yourself. But for me, they were real for me. They stick with me. And for me, they shaped this vision that I have and they expanded my vision so much because the, the universe grew with every one of these experiences. There wasn't just three dimensions anymore. There were many, many, many dimensions. There wasn't just a, a handful of, of possibilities the possibilities are infinite. So my love for the paranormal is, you know, inspired in many ways by these experiences. And I do feel very fortunate to have had them. I've had negative experiences too, many, many negative experiences. And perhaps someday I'll share some of those, but all of them have been uh, a journey and have brought me to this place and inspired me to create the portal so that we could all have this discussion and have these discussions of sharing our thoughts and ideas and our experiences and hopefully learn and grow and maybe understand a little more than we did when it was just us thinking alone. So I love you all so much. Thank you for being a part of the portal. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of this episode tonight. Be good, be kind, be nice to each other, take care of each other. Um, until then, you guys take care and I'll talk to you soon.
right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormalportalradio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at paranormalportal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>